welcome to Over the Rainbow, a safe space and voice for all queer identities. I'm your host, Rachel Keithley, and I use she, her pronouns. Every Wednesday, we bring you new episodes dedicated to queer representation, education, and activism. Today's episode features Christina Bailey. Christina uses she, her pronouns. She runs an amazing LGBTQ advocacy account on Instagram and YouTube called Baby Bailey Mama Drama. There, she shares her life, LGBTQ advocacy work, as well as her journey starting a family through reciprocal IVF. If you don't already, please, please go give her a follow. In today's episode, Christina shares with us some of the ways LGBTQ people can start a family. As well as talking about some of the options available, we share some challenges that LGBTQ people may face when starting a family. Finally, Christina also shares some resources, some tips for LGBTQ families, and for allies supporting LGBTQ families. I certainly learned a lot chatting with Christina, and I know that there is a lot of work that needs to be done to normalise LGBTQ families and to break down some of the barriers to starting a family. So listen in and enjoy learning with me. Right, let's get on with the show. Christina, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Um, welcome to Over the Rainbow. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? So, name, pronouns, a bit about what you do? Uh, my name's Christina Bailey, and pronouns would be she, her. Um, I'm a huge LGBTQ advocate as well as being a lesbian myself. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I love your profile. I've followed you for years. So, Thank this you. Is really exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we start the episode, let's share something we've done this week, either to engage in queer activism or queer education. So, do you want to go first, or shall I? Um, you can go first. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so obviously, Pride Month starts tomorrow. It's snuck up on us. Um, so I've been reading up on a lot of sort of key figures from historical Pride movements, um, just because. I feel like often we really get distracted by the sort of celebration side of Pride, which is obviously fun. Um, but I think it's really important to see sort of why Pride came about, why it's important. And it is really, really interesting to see all these key figures and what they've done in the past. Um, so this month I'm going to be creating a lot of educational content for my platform so people can learn alongside me about all these key figures. Um, so by the time this goes live, all that content will be out there for people to go check out. <laughs> wow, that sounds amazing. It's busy, but it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for myself, I try to go on my own Instagram. I now have two of them. Um, so I do go on there quite often to engage with others, many who are part of the LGBTQ community, um, and just help with all sorts of things that everyone's encountering because I know I'm going through my own different journey and my own chapter that a lot of people can relate to also, but there's also different chapters that everyone else is on that I have also experienced. So I'm always there to listen, um, kind of give where I had been at that time. Uh, and then of course with Pride Month coming up, I do like to educate my children 
um, about what it means and how our family is different. And we talk about how special we are. I actually was just talking to my oldest daughter, who's now five, about the pride flag and what it means and how we're very respectful to flags. Um, and she was very excited just to take a picture with it and hold it. And we talked about how we don't let it touch the ground. And she was very honored to do that. Oh, that is so sweet. And it's so <laughs> yeah. cool that she's starting at like the age of five. That's yes, amazing. Exactly. Uh, well, I'm excited to see that photo. That'll be adorable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually feeds in nicely to what we're talking about today, which is the process of having children when you are LGBTQ plus um, and whatever form of queer relationship you are in or being on your own and just being queer and having children. Um, so to start with, what options are available to LGBTQ plus people who are wanting to start a family? There are so many options. If you are a woman, um, you have a lot more options than a male couple would, unfortunately, um, just because you have the organs if they're working properly. Um, you could do IUI, IVF, reciprocal IVF. Um, then, of course, you could always, which are available to male couples as well. So there's adoption, uh, surrogacy. Well, one of the things I forgot for female couples, you could also do um, embryo adoption, which is something that I almost did pursue at one point in my life. Um, and I believe there's also foster, fostering to adopt. There's just so many options out there. So if I forgot one, <laughs> it might have happened. I might have forgotten one. No, well, it's good to know that there are some mm -hmm. options out there, isn't there? Because I know that, and we'll talk about this in a bit, but I know that there are some sort of barriers to starting a family when you're LGBTQ+. But before we get into that, do you want to share your experiences and plans with your family? Yes, of course. Um, so I've been through reciprocal IVF twice now. Um, and now that I am divorced, I am going to go through, um, hopefully, I'm planning on doing a embryo transfer, hopefully, for my third child. And if that isn't an option to me, then I'm going to most likely pursue IVF, which is something that I really haven't talked about, but it's been something I have obviously been planning because I know that I want to try for a third child. I also know I am significantly older than I was when I went through it um, twice already. And I know all the statistics and everything like that. So I definitely want to play it on the safe side um, as far as making sure I get a viable pregnancy because you want to try everything you can to make sure you know, everything was in your favor to try to get pregnant and hopefully everything will go well. But I also know that there are a lot of bumps that I've hit just to have my first two children. So I am aware of that. Um, I'm just hoping that everything goes well. I actually saw this quote the other day, which was, I thought, amazing. It was saying, stop thinking of all the reasons why it won't work and think of the one reason why it will work. So my reason is that I am pursuing my dreams and not letting anyone take those away from me and that I have an amazing loving family that will love and accept this child. I love that. And that's so true, isn't it? Like you just spend so many time listing all the reasons why you're scared or why maybe it won't work. And then you like overwhelm yourself and think, oh, mm -hmm. I can't do this. But exactly. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. 
Yeah. So you actually alluded to this, um, but what are some of the sort of issues and barriers and challenges that LGBTQ plus people face when they are planning to start their families? Yeah, so it's definitely, I mean, when I list off all the options, it makes it sound so easy. Like, oh my gosh, look at all the options we have. Just go ahead and pick one. Uh, money is a huge role play in this whole thing. Um, with all the money, there are so many options. With limited money, you have fewer options. And it's so unfortunate that money has to play a role with this. And insurance companies don't necessarily see this as you need this because you're infertile for some reason, because most of the time, fertility doesn't really have to do with it when you're part of the LGBTQ community. It's just this is the path that you chose to get pregnant because what they call the natural way of getting pregnant is not an option for you. You're not going to be unfaithful to your partner so you can get pregnant that way. Um, and then, of course, there's the things that you don't plan for. Like for me, I knew money was going to be an issue. So save, 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 save. And then, of course, they have payment options, which make it easier for you. But then there's also the things you run into that weren't planned. Um, miscarriages, uh, failed rounds of IVF, eggs that don't fertilize. Um, perhaps if you were a male couple having a surrogate, you go through the whole process and the surrogate doesn't get pregnant. So there's just so much money that you pour into it. And it's not when you think about it, the money part is stressful, but it's the emotional part that really takes over. It's like you had all your hopes up thinking that this was going to work and you had saved up. So it's going to work. And then you do it. And the money didn't really have a thing with it. It's just how the body ended up taking it or how it ended up in the little Petri dish. You just, and with adoption, what if something fell through and the, you know, the birth mom changed her mind. It's just, there's some things that you can't control, unfortunately. And that's, all the factors that play a role that you can't foresee what will happen. Yeah, how do you work through all that mental stuff? Yeah, well, I spent a lot of time crying, um, but luckily after going through my first round of IVF and having it failed, I actually turned to social media. And that is where I found the support of a community that I am still today very thankful for because for the most part, almost everyone has supported me throughout every chapter in my life and how different it's been um, and has been there with sometimes a lot of advice that actually helped me. Um, people are always willing to give it, you know, sometimes you don't want it, but sometimes you do ask for it. And it's really helped. I remember when um, I will during the next round of IVF that I did, and we were told that um, the numbers were weird on the beta test. And I remember we were uh, told Instagram that, all the people on Instagram, and there was so much feedback. Oh, I went through that. Oh, everything was fine for me, but just beware this happened. So just hearing that it was okay for some people and it turned out that way, just knowing that you weren't alone in that area kind of gave you a small bit of hope, but also knowing that, you know, you might not end up getting the result they did. But it was nice to be able to talk to somebody who understood because Sometimes the people in your daily life that you see will be there for you and they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that's happened to you, but they have no idea what it feels like. They don't know what it's like because, you know, some of your friends tell you, oh, I got pregnant by accident. And of course, when you're part of like a TTC community or an IVF community, hearing words like that, when you're trying so hard to get pregnant, it's almost painful to hear. And so although you love those people and those people love you back because you're really great friends, they just can't understand what you're going through. 
So I definitely found amazing people online. Um, and that was kind of my way of going about it. And of course, back then, even though this wasn't that long ago, there weren't a ton of books out there. And now I feel like there's a ton of books out there about IVF. Like I clearly remember going into the clinic I chose for IVF and the doctor saying that they hadn't really done reciprocal IVF. And now everybody does. It. I mean, it's a very common way of two lesbians to have a baby. So it's just so interesting seeing the evolution of all this has quickly escalated. I mean, there's so many options and so many different ways to find that support. So I would say books, online. I think there's even communities and groups um, on Facebook for IVF. I mean, there's just so many more options now. Uh, I think that's just the online world, isn't it? Like, there's just everything at your fingertips now, whereas before you just had your sort of offline physical community, which can be very limited. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Um, are there any sort of legal issues or barriers that LGBTQ plus people face when they're planning to start families? Yeah, so it differs from state to state. Um, usually for reciprocal IVF, it's usually advised that you do, um, it's called second adoption. I'm trying to think of what the word was for it, um, but there's a, you're supposed to adopt. So even the person who isn't genetically related to the child is supposed to legally adopt the child. And it's just as a precaution for whatever might happen in the future. Um, in the state of California, the birth certificate is good enough from what I've read. Um, and actually somebody legally did tell me that I was correct. So we'll go with that, that it is fine, just the birth certificate. But if somebody tells you otherwise, then that's okay too. <laughs> um, but in other states, yeah, it's definitely important that you do that. And I would say that's an issue for many people. I know that in some states when, because I'm friends with um, many gay guy couples online and they have told me that some places it's very hard to find a surrogate. It's actually against the law to be a surrogate for two gay men. Um, and some of those laws have recently changed, which is wonderful, but I can't imagine that you're already having to spend a lot of money to find a surrogate and then having no surrogate want to be your surrogate. Um, so such a long journey for certain people, but I would say those are the two biggest legal issues that we go through. And of course, with adoption, I think I was always terrified because of the birth family could always take the child back. And I think that was always a deep fear because that was something I did explore for um, my second child, but didn't go through with it because we already had a child and we worried about how she would be affected if a child had entered our home and then had to leave again. So it's just, I mean, I think all those ways are just wonderful. I think you just have to find the right one for you and if you can go through it emotionally and you are very strong and you can handle that I think that's wonderful I just think every single person's different and same thing with the way you pick to create your family you have to find the right one for you there isn't a set thing for every couple to do or individual to do right because you don't have to be with somebody to have a baby yeah and I think that's a really important point actually is that often not only do we consider a family to be like the mum and the dad but then on top of that we just consider the fact that there has to be two people and right that doesn't at all it's such an outdated sort of view exactly yeah there's so many ways to make a family now which is great and I actually didn't know 
once again, that there were so many people out there who had already gone on this path to have a child by themselves being, you know, single, gay, going through the path by themselves. So I would, it actually made me feel more inspired to go on the journey I'm, I'm about to go on because they had already reached out to me saying, you know, I did it. It's very empowering, you know, just let me know, like I have, you have my full on support. So it was very nice hearing that. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, that kind of also leads me on to something that I've noticed, not just for when single people start their families, but also LGBTQ plus couples. But I feel like there is still a lot of discrimination and stereotypes around there regarding whether LGBTQ plus people even should have families. Is this something that you've faced or at least seen on your journeys? Oh, yes. I... <laughs> it all the time um especially just because a lot many of the things that I'm actually going through um that I've even been researching the only things I can find are about male and female couples it's just so I mean it's discouraging I guess to the LGBTQ community not that you know I think it's hard because I've definitely had some people try to talk to me um who are straight which obviously money. Most of my friends are straight. I don't have too many gay friends in my daily life that I see. Um, but it sometimes it offends them that people who are gay might say, you know, like, oh, it's just so hard because, you know, there's not, there's nothing out there for us. It's just for male and female, but it's not against them. It's just the way of the world, the way it is. Like they haven't fully you know, they might say like one love, everybody's happy, but there's just so many problems that still haven't been faced. And I don't think people realize that. And I have people from all over the world contact me saying that, you know, being in love with somebody of the same gender is not accepted here. You know, there are very, very severe consequences if I were to express that I love somebody who is not of the opposite gender. It is very frowned upon, or there's even more severe cases. And then of course, even where I am, I encounter it all the time. I mean, my daughter asked her teacher the other day if she had um, two moms or if she had a mom and a dad. She said, I have a mom and a dad. And my daughter asked, well, how come I'm the only one with two moms? Um, and that's just the kind of, I mean, that's just how it is where most people live. There aren't too many, you know, same sex couple families. Um, which is why I think it's important that I have this community and that through that community, she has met a lot of families that have children that are, you know, a same-sex couple. Um, and of course, it's not every day that she sees them. So I think she forgets. But I think it's also very important that she is exposed to them to know that she's not alone. Because I think that's a major issue that this community faces is the factor of feeling alone. You feel alone through so many things. And like, I, even though I still have this amazing community, like there are still moments where I feel so alone. Like I am going through that a lot right now with this chapter, just the fact of feeling alone. There's nothing out there that has been this exact experience that I'm going through. You know, it's not playing in my favor. It's just, it's very hard. It's hard. And I think over time, those things will change. But right now you just try to do the best with what you can. Um, which is why I think it's important, like having a platform like, like mine and showing all the things that I can show, because then it shows somebody else like, oh my gosh, she's been through it too. 
And I think we don't have enough of that where people don't speak out enough. And we want to think that everything is like happy and full of rainbows. And when you find your true love, it doesn't matter. Gay, straight, you know, bi, transgender. Um, but it's not like that always for sure. You're going to face problems with community, you know, just people or strangers that you don't know. Um, family, friends, people who disapprove. So it's, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah, I particularly love that about your profile. Like, it isn't just all this happy rainbows, life is perfect stuff, because life is really, really hard. And the fact that you're sharing all of these issues is so important, because like you say, you face stereotypes, discrimination, you face like people telling you that who you love is wrong, etc. And then your children are being exposed to it as well. And that's really scary, because all you want to do is protect your children and say like, Right. we're okay our family is great but when she's going to school and seeing that people are like that she's different she's not different but she'll feel it won't she at the age of five right. you don't understand that like it's okay that some people will have two dads some people have a mum and a dad so yeah the fact that you have this online platform and can show her and then everyone who is following you can see it as well and take the pieces that really resonate with them it is just it is so powerful. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm also a teacher. So I do, I don't think I've ever, no, I've never had a child who has two dads or two moms. Um, but I've had had children who have divorced families. So they have like a stepmom or something like that. So I always, you know, when the kids are like, what, you can't have two moms. Um, and I'm like, of course you can have two moms. And you know, this child will get to make two presents at Christmas because or like two presents for Mother's Day because we're giving one to each mom. So just like little tidbits like that, of course, I can't. Unfortunately, that's what I'm hoping for one day. I do hope that something about the LGBTQ community is written into the curriculum. And that is something that it will just be mandatory to teach, like something huge in history that we can just talk about. But as for right now, it's not even a big enough thing to be set in history books, which I think is crazy. So I'm hoping that one day things like that change in that way. I mean, kids are so easily, when they are exposed to them, they're like, oh, sounds good. You know, I think just like one little thing, if they know that it's a thing out there, they're not going to question it because their minds just absorb everything. And they're like, oh, okay, you can be married to whoever you want. Sounds good. You know, I don't think they'll make a big deal about it. Like, what? I think they only say what right now because they've never seen it before and their friends always have a mom and a dad or you know everyone in their family has a mom and a dad so because they haven't been exposed to it it just becomes more of like a shock factor the longer you wait yeah but it's a shock from like curiosity isn't it rather from like oh that's wrong like yeah I haven't heard anybody say ew it's only I mean most of the ew is like ew you have a crush on somebody I mean they're not <laughs> It's never about like parents and are like, ew, those are your parents. It's never been like that. So yeah, it's such a shame that you don't have um, like same sex relationships education in America. Here in the UK, it has just been made legal. We're only like a year ahead of you. <laughs> you oh, have to, wow. you have to teach it now in the UK. So yeah, that's pretty wow, exciting. Wow, that's amazing. Gosh, yeah, that's great. Cause yeah, um, usually you adopt a new curriculum like every four to six years, I believe, and so. Just keep hoping that one of these days it'll be <laughs> written in history books. Yeah. And then it'll just come up in your teaching world and no one has to go out of their way to teach it. Yeah. yeah. 
do you try and like slip it into your education anyway um I think it's like like the thing that the kids were saying about um like oh you have to marry this person I think I think one time I said you know you can marry who you love but I don't I don't ever go too in depth just because I don't I don't want to upset any parents just because some people are very sensitive on it and if it isn't in the curriculum you technically don't have a right to teach that you know if it's not something mandatory you really shouldn't be teaching it so it's hard to I guess I'm a big rule follower <laughs> so I like I like to follow the rules um which is hard because you know being who I am but I do I do just hope that one time things will change I faced I faced like a lot of I've like faced some problems in the past where I was mistreated for being gay. So I think undergoing that history being at work, it scares me to like try to speak up, which is kind of a sad thing about me because I do have this amazing platform where I like speak up for myself. But I've also said like, that's my safe place. Like it sounds a little strange because it's like open for anybody to see, but like that is where I feel safe to be who I am because there are certain places where I don't feel safe to say who I am or, you know, like who I would love kind of a thing. Yeah. And you definitely shouldn't feel bad for that because that's a reflection on the people who are making that space unsafe. So right. the work you're doing online is amazing enough. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Um, so how can someone who is maybe thinking of starting a family, they're LGBTQ, um, and their friends and family maybe don't agree or are judging them or whatever terminology you want to use. Um, how can someone sort of respond to those people who haven't accepted the reality that LGBTQ plus people can have a family? Yeah, so I just I just kind of recently with my whole journey of growth, um, I've actually really stopped like engaging in negativity. So, I mean, it'd be kind of hard with family and friends, although I have have encountered some of this but my like new philosophy I guess on this would be like if you feel that strongly you know you don't have to be in my life you know like this is my choice and you can either support it or you could not support it but if you're not going to support it you can't be in my life at the same time and I feel like I do a lot of that online of course you receive negative comments but I've literally stopped responding because I've realized that people who think that way you writing this long out explanation about standing up for yourself, it's not going to change their mind. They have their mind made up and they'll just battle you on and on and on. And that's just draining you. So I usually just get rid of it. <laughs> I mean, and like people will write me messages and it's like, I'm not going to respond to negative things. Like I have, and once again, clearly they're not already listening because I've already said several times that I'm not responding to negativity. I'm not going to. And yet they still will try to say something negative. I'm like, well, you're not already listening. So if you didn't listen the first time, then you're not going to listen if I respond. So I would do the same thing with family. Luckily, my family has been pretty amazing. Um, I've had nobody tell me like, you're crazy for trying to have a child on your own. I haven't gotten that at all. So <laughs> actually, the day I told my mom, I was like, I'm going to go and have my third child. And she's like, I know you will. So I mean, she she just knows she's like, I will be, I'll be very happy, you know, so just that continuous support and the people who say the support you, but they never really see you. I mean, that's their choice. Like my dad has probably seen my kids probably like a handful of times since they've been born and they're three and five and that's his choice. And I don't, 
really know what his choices are. He wasn't really around with me growing up. He'll see me every so often. Like I'm supposed to go there this summer just because I want to visit that area and go hiking. But um, I did let him know I'd be in the area and he was like, oh, I'd love to see you. So it's just people like that. You just really, I think the hardest thing that you have to do is you have to accept people for who they are. Like you cannot change their decision. Like I know how badly some people want their parents to just accept them or their spouse or their kids or the way they're going to make a family and their parents just won't accept it. And they are very hurt, which is totally normal and valid, but they just hold on to that and they just won't accept it. And I think that longing for acceptance is what really eats people away inside. So you have to find a way to cope with it and just accept people for who they are and just let it go. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that I've sort of had to learn. Like, again, my family are very accepting, but seeing other people who aren't, you you just always want to be that person who can change their mind, don't you? You're like, you seem yeah. to fight, you end up spending like 24 seven trying yeah. to do it. And it's like, it's okay to maybe sit down and have a half an hour conversation. But at that point, if they're still not agreeing with you, you like, as hard as it is, you've got to let it go. And that doesn't mean letting that person go out of your life. It just means like, they hold their views, you're not going to change their mind, you hold your views and you need to sort of provide yourself with that self-care and self-love to get on with your life because like you say it does it, it completely destroys you, it eats away at you. Yeah and they can always change their mind too, I mean like it's the same thing with friendships, sometimes your friendship might end over something you thought was ridiculous, you know, but it just became so much energy to try to repair it, you just stopped. And then years later, or months later, the friend returns and you just start up a conversation again and your bond quickly, you know, becomes available and you've gotten rid of the silly problems that you had before, which could totally happen with family. Family could just take a while and maybe they just need their own space to fully accept it, which I've heard many gay couples have, like parents who have said they want nothing to do with their children. They can't accept this way of life. Um, they can't accept your lifestyle choices. Um, and then they come around, like maybe it's a year later and they just come around and then it's up to you if you're willing to let them back in. And most of the time I feel like it is kind of nice having them come back and realize that they made the wrong choice, but overall it is up to you and how willing is your heart to let them back into your life. Yeah, 100% is always your choice, isn't it? It's not something you feel you should have to do either way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you've already mentioned some sort of books and online resources, but can you think of any good uh, LGBTQ plus family support services or resources that you haven't already mentioned? Um, I'm trying to think of some that come to mind. I mean, I've received quite a few books just about that. I'm trying to think of the titles. I remember one was like, it starts with an egg. I believe that was one. Um, and then of course, I mean, if you just Google like reciprocal IVF or like whatever way you're thinking of, like so many websites come up. I mean, I just, I'm blown away by how much research there is on this now because when I Googled it, there was nothing. <laughs> like we had, I had heard about it, pursued it, but like nobody had any idea what was going on. So it's very interesting. But yeah, I would say, I think there's another one called Fertility IQ. There's a lot of websites that just have all the options on there, which I think is neat. But I think if you just Google like ways of making a family LGBTQ, tons of websites pop up. And then of course I'm going to be writing a book this summer. So of course I'm going to support that. 
but <laughs> oh you I'm just already, dropped already, that in there that was exciting yeah. <laughs> so of course I would love for people to do that I haven't even thought of a title yet but I think it'll be good because it's going to outline all the different chapters that I've been on which I think are great because you know it starts out with like not even realizing that I'm gay and then there was no support out there so terrified to come out I was gay and then kind of falling into this like happily ever after but still still encountering like little bits and pieces in my life where um you know being gay is frowned upon so just having to go through those issues and then of course like what I'm going through now like divorce single parenting um that kind of a thing and then hopefully you know my next chapter will be filled with amazing things and a nice good ending to the book but we'll, we'll see how it goes how it plays out this summer <laughs> when I'm writing it and finishing it and I, I mean I'm excited either way so yeah nice. <laughs> um what are some of the things that list the listeners can be doing to support LGBTQ plus families um I would say I mean it's like something that I think I tell kids in my classroom my own children just like be nice. I mean, it's so simple, right? I mean, I know everyone wants to donate and, you know, all these other things, which I think are also great. But if we're taking out the money part of it, um, I would say just be nice and be courteous to people. I think when you go out of your way to be rude to somebody because they're different than you, you're just doing yourself a disservice. Like it just leaves you with this like gross feeling inside, or I would think it would. Um, also a full believer in karma. So, I mean, put out there what you want back. And then of course, I think there's some amazing people just to follow online if you're looking to see a little bit more of an inside to like what certain families go through who are gay. I think that's also a good way to like get bits and pieces. But of course, like you said, a lot of times online people just paint the pretty pictures. So it is hard. You kind of like take what you see with like a grain of salt. That's what my mom says. So <laughs> I know I love that saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, not everything you read is true. Um, you can take it or leave it kind of a thing. I try, I try my best to make everything as true as possible, what I can share. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still, I still get criticized. So, I mean, you can't, you can't be everybody's like perfect role model of what they're looking for. So. No, hundred percent, but you'll still be a great role model for many. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I love hearing when I'm out in public, if I was ever with my girls, like, oh my gosh, your family's so beautiful. So, and I definitely, I had that happen probably like a handful of times. And each time it did happen, I could tell it, it wasn't a lie. It definitely came from the person's heart. And it just left you feeling so good inside because usually it's like your sisters, those are cousins, you know, it was never recognized as a family, but when you were recognized as a family, it felt really good inside. So I would say if you're really, truly accepting of this community, then just saying little compliments like that. And everybody loves a compliment, even if you're not gay, you love compliments. So, I mean, just giving a compliment, putting out that good energy. Yeah, I love that. And. Um, if there are any LGBTQ plus people listening who are thinking of starting a family, I know we've covered a lot, but what is one sort of big piece of advice you'd give them? Um, I would say besides the saving money, which is sadly very important, um, I would say make sure you are emotionally ready. So that would mean like you have some sort of support if you're going to be single and go on this or make sure you've kind of done your research um 
because it kind of does help your mind a little bit if something bad happens. It's not, I mean, you're still going to be sad. There's no way to prevent that. But it kind of takes out like that major shock factor that happens. So just be emotionally ready. Do some research. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. Especially because often it is like the the unknowns. If you can't mentally prepare yourself, that is what just wipes you out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and just to finish, are there any people besides obviously yourself will link your Instagrams and websites and whatnot to the show notes? Are there anyone else that you think people should be following who are great sort of role models for LGBTQ plus families? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I have a few that I've been obviously following that have really helped me on my journey. I don't know their exact profiles, though. Um like my good friend Taylor, she's really helped me through this. Her profile is not like, not like any huge profile, but she is also a single mom who went through a divorce, did reciprocal IVF just like me. So we related a lot on that. Um, so there, I'll have to link you their profiles. Hillary was another amazing one. Also, I think she, I don't know if she did reciprocal IVF or IUI, but also yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to look up a few because there's like a few profiles who I've like constantly been chatting with, but I don't know like their exact Instagram names. I think my Instagram name is so long and drawn out. People remember it because it's so unique, but other people I'm like, what is that Instagram name? I just, I can recognize it just from like their little pictures, you know? Well, and I also find if someone asks me a question, it then just immediately leaves my head. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I could look it up right now and then I'll tell you over an email, but yeah, I'll show you the ones that I am usually going on there to look at yeah awesome well thank you very much for today I really appreciate you coming on and talking about queer families yeah of course thank you so much for having me I appreciate it. I love helping spread the word or helping out anyone I can yeah and you definitely do that and good luck with your third pregnancy and the book that's exciting yes too. thank you so much I appreciate it thank you so much for listening today New episodes are available every Wednesday, so please do download, share, and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. If you have any questions or feedback, please contact the podcast on social media. We are on Instagram at at underscore over the rainbow podcast, Twitter at over rainbow pod, and Facebook at over the rainbow podcast 13. Have a queer week and I'll see you next Wednesday.